0: Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman.
1: And I'm Andy Rao.
0: Andy, I really need to rewrite that intro because this is so, um, we will edit this out, but this is the second time I had to do that, that take and it is just a jumble of words.
1: We, uh, you know, maybe we need
0: a punchy tagline. You know, just three words. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, just like I don't know, just like role playing games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So we are going to do. Um, so we're going to call it like a normal episode. So the past couple, a couple of episodes, if you listen to the podcast, were a little bit different from our normal set up um this one is going to maybe be a return to form but also probably not so we'll see we might end up rolling on the on the the table of topics but um i make no promises um i don't know andy do you make any promises
1: i there are no promises to be had from this podcast
0: today all right that's good so that's uh that's sort of our baseline level of commitment to you the listener i guess at this point uh, yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what we're doing. So um, you had mentioned it last time, Andy, like we are taking the summer to do a number of experiments um, and we're calling them experiments. Really, this sort of just means like we're going to try Try a couple of ideas that we've been thinking about um, and not stress too much about making sure that all of our episodes are, you know, have the exact right segments and we're rolling on the, the, the table every um, every time that we do them. Um, so, all that to say, if you are uninterested in, in this style of episode, I guess we'll see you in September. Um, <laughs> but, but if you're willing to stick with us, we promise that we will be trying a couple of interesting things and hopefully some of them will, will stick and you will enjoy them. Uh, so, what I wanted to do to start with is actually talk about the past two. Things that we did so, um, a month ago or so, I uh, we ran a game called um, Sports Are Just Numerology, um, which I want to talk about a little bit, and then the follow up episode to that, so the last one was uh, you taking us on an exploration of of 80s <laughs> 80s tie in marketing, I guess that's right, that's, that's right, what I can, can. What I can say so uh, yeah, let's take these in turn so going back to the sports or just numerology um so i am curious about that like what uh if you want to we'll have a link to you know to the episode so you can go listen to it if you haven't um but the the setup for this game was you are uh each player has a character and you're just sort of describing the character's career um by rolling random numbers essentially and then assigning those to stats for that that character um, so we decided to make the excellent decision of choosing a sport we don't know a ton about in a time period we don't know a ton about. And we heard about it from people, <laughs> which was great. So I guess, Andy, uh, what was your experience playing that game? Did you did you enjoy it? I guess, was there anything that stuck out to you?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was going to say it was kind of funny. You know, you I think you had just finished saying, hey, we can pick any sport that we want. It doesn't even have to be a real sport. It could be, you know, post-apocalyptic robot mech yeah. battles and we settled on just regular playing baseball uh it, <laughs> yeah i feel like we would have been on more solid ground had we chosen something with mechs and spaceships but uh, that's that's true uh no i enjoyed it and it, it felt to me a little bit less you know like a game and more like what i normally think of as like character creation mm-hmm. so it felt like to me like we were almost creating character backstories by going through like a life path character creation system which you'll find in Traveler and numerous other RPGs that are out there so Mm -hmm. there was a sense in which having finished going through that and it only took us about 45 minutes to go from start to finish there was a sense where I was uh, at the end I was kind of ready for like the game to start if that makes Mm, sense Yeah. Uh, Yeah. not in a bad way there was something enjoyable and just different for me personally in uh, creating a story and then calling it done
0: yeah i'd agree it's uh it's like that style of game so this is a like a one-page rpg I, I guess you could say it might be longer than one page but the idea is it's a pretty simple pretty directed experience and there's a ton of games like this out there um yeah and i don't i don't really play a lot of them um, but i found it to be a very enjoyable experience on my end um Sometimes after creating a character, I'm sort of done with, with the game a bit, right? Like, so that, that to me was fine and almost seemed like a feature, too. It's like you get you experience this, you kind of get to play with the mechanics a little bit, and then, then it's done. You're not going super long. So in this game, at least, we only had to choose six stats. So we're only really coming up with like six or so facts about the character um, each. And so by the time you're done with that, like you, you sort of know what the game is. Like yeah. you're, you've gone through the mechanics, there aren't like extra mechanics really to, to find at that point. And in fact, I think we were running out of sort of ways to massage the numbers to create stats at that point yeah. too. Yeah. So it was a nice kind of complete holistic experience. Um, and I think afterwards, I, I kept on asking myself, would I ever want to play this again? And my immediate reaction was no. Like I don't, I don't want to play it. But then as I've been thinking about it more and more like i, I would want to play it again i think yeah. with with maybe different people or yeah definitely choosing a different setting yeah i had similar thoughts i i would enjoy
1: playing it again but if i did i think i would want it to attach it to something else or incorporate mm-hmm. it into something else so you know I, I mean just a simple way would be to use that method for creating a uh, a like adventuring party's collective backstory mm-hmm. uh, and and kind of mapping out uh, in one session the different, you know, common uh, points of commonality that the characters have with each other. I think that would be fun. I, yeah. you know, I have nothing against the game. It was perfectly fun. I don't know if, you know, it was such a thrilling experience. You need to do it more than, you know, once or twice to get what it's after. But, you know, more mm-hmm. power to you if it's something you want to play every day. It reminded me of some solo board games that I played as a kid. There's one in particular that I'm thinking of, although it's kind of a little subgenre unto itself. I used to play this solo war game called uh, B-17, Queen of the Skies. Hmm,
0: okay.
1: And it was a game in which you... Uh, it was simulating the World War II uh, bombing of Germany, and you controlled a crew, the crew of a B-17 bomber. And using... Entire just random tables and rolling on all sorts of random tables, you would determine a mission uh, and a target for your target for the mission. You would assign your crew member to their spots on the plane, and then you would kind of run them through the mission in this very structured way, where you'd roll to see if enemy fighters show up and and, and it, does the plane take damage and that sort of thing. That was one of the only games I've really played where the purpose of it was really to tell a story because. The goal of that was to try and get your crew through you know 25 missions so they could retire. But mm-hmm. but there wasn't much choice involved. I mean there're little parts of it where you could choose to do one thing or do another. But generally speaking you were really just rolling out the the story of what happened to this crew. And at the end of that whether they made it to 25 missions or they didn't, they did not uh, you had this like kind of written record of you know this story of mm-hmm. where they had flown to when what had happened on each mission there's something satisfying just about having created that fictional history and mm-hmm. i mean it's a different beast than sports or numerology uh, you know for one thing sports numerology has that social component multiplayer component which is important to it but you know there is a there is a real satisfaction in just creating a story um,
0: yeah. I mean so the 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 B seventeen game, like there wasn't exactly a like a win or lose state. It was just you got to the right. end and there was the story. Okay. Yep. And, yeah. You know, your
1: your your game would end either by your plane being destroyed at some point or by you hitting the end goal. Either way, it didn't felt like you lost really. It just felt like, okay, that's the end of this little story.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna look up there was a quote I just read from Avery Alder. They created the um, the Quiet Year and Dream Askew. Um, I'm just going to find it. Yeah, so they tweeted, um, the big design flaw with winning is that it feels really good, but you can only experience it if you expose yourself to the risk of losing, which feels really bad. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, like, I've been thinking about that just for the past couple hours. I think I read it th- earlier today. Yeah, but then putting that in context of, like, yeah, of sports are just numerology and this B-17 game and stuff like yeah, like when you remove that aspect of like of that failure state from a game, I think it it, does, it frees you to to experience the, the game in a very different way. Yeah, there's no option to min max your character, so <laughs> removing that that entirely right like allows you to just focus on the narrative that you're yeah. trying to trying to get through.
1: Yeah, it, that has been... That's a nice, succinct way to put it. That's been on my mind a little bit, too, just in the context of uh, the Band of Blades game that I've been running, and mm-hmm. you know Blades in the Dark pretty well, and I feel like those are one... Those are a couple of, of several prominent games out there that really are somewhat removing that concept of just, like, all-out failure from mm-hmm. the list of things that can happen to your PCs. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are games that you know if you're playing it reasonably well it's it's pretty hard to just like utterly fail at a task i mean it can be done and and it has happened but you know there's a the the trend definitely is uh failure isn't as enjoyable as success or partial success um Mm -hmm. and yeah that's that's it's definitely interesting
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like, I mean, even, I mean, because you and I both play video games quite a bit too, um, and I feel that trend has popped up in video games as well, that, that hesitancy to have a 100% game over in a game, I mean, I don't know if any games have that anymore, whereas that was a a hallmark of the NES era of games, right, is that you could just die and have to start over completely from the beginning. I was going to say, I think of games like Hades that uh, fail, you know, death
1: the thing that would be the game over is actually part of what drives the story forward
0: that that game never makes you feel I mean you feel terrible when you (laughs) when you die mostly because it was your fault but yeah but like yeah you get back and then it's unlocking little bits of the story and there's even some sort of um you know like you're gaining experience and maybe leveling up you know certain skills and, and things like that but um okay so this then I think this leads into the the game that you ran last time, which I don't know, did you come up with a name for it or like, what do you, what do you want to you call know, it? You know,
1: startlingly I did not. Um, okay. I'm open to suggestions from you or listeners. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, okay. So it was the, the framework of it was that we, we created quick characters that were marketing. I'm not going to say execs. They were marketing drones of, yeah. of a giant evil faceless 80s corporation that wanted to take on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, and then through that that lens, we then created a bunch of. I, I struggle to call them characters, but <laughs> <laughs> they, were, yeah. they were as richly defined as anything else you watched on TV as a kid, Chris. So. Yes, that's true. Yeah, um, so we created like these these four four mutant crime fighters, <laughs> if you will. Um, but we use what was the system called?
1: The system was. Taken from Gamma World, specifically the seventh edition.
0: Is there? Have you played any of the other editions of Gamma World, or is that one of those like tongue-in-cheek? Like they they just started with calling it seventh edition.
1: No, it's uh, it's been around. Honest, honestly, all the way back to first. I've played. Uh, I've played a couple of the much earlier editions, but it hasn't been on my radar for quite a while. Uh, seventh mm-hmm. edition came out. It was actually kind of a spin-off of D anD D fourth edition. Oh, okay. And it se- it is in my opinion is secretly one of the tightest game designs that came out in like the mid, in like the twenty tens ish. Uh, that's my. It's not a super well known game, but it's um. Anyway. Yeah, well, roll for topic S is put in on the map. <laughs> that's right. I, I mean, <laughs> and... I I bet eBay sales are skyrocketing as we yeah. speak.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was really fun, right? So we we rolled on a couple of tables that gave us descriptors of of the characters, um, that we were, they we were making. And then there was various other like little aspects that we had to decide on to make these things. So I can talk from the player side, uh, briefly, but why don't you tell us from like the GM side, um, what, what was going through your head as we were playing, playing this game?
1: Yeah. Well, um, Oh, I <laughs> guess what was going through my head. As yeah. playing this game Mostly. So I was mostly, I, I adore, that method of creating a character concept by taking two random terms and mushing them together. I, I love mm-hmm. the creativity that comes from that. Depending on what you roll on those tables, you know, it can be a, a real easy, no-brainer character concept that comes out of those two elements. But sometimes you get ones that just seem at first glance to be uh, really uh, incompatible. And I love seeing people rack their brains to find a way to make that make sense. And Yeah.
0: So like one of the or just real quick like one of the characters cuz I don't want to make like listening to that episode required listening, but like one of those combinations was radioactive electrokinetic. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, so we're rolling this on a table and it's, you know, as the player like what are we, what do we do with this?
1: Yeah. So I I honestly that was like the entirety of the idea was to have an excuse to make to watch you guys Go through that exercise. The rest of it just kind of came to me as I was thinking about how to make you guys create some characters So, also, I mean, I actually love character creation just in general, and it's something. I it's such a big part of gaming. It's something I've kind of wanted to explore on this show somehow. But mm-hmm. it's also I you know it's, it seems like it'd be really boring to listen to other people create a character unless you can really spin it in a particular way. So this was also an attempt to find out if we could take the that creative part of character creation and make it interesting to listen to which I, mm-hmm. you know we, we got enough feedback to suggest that it wasn't a total failure <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i don't think it was a total failure yeah it is it's i think we will we'll probably try some other stuff like that but i think the it's like the broad advice i would say probably to gms who are listening to this is to not shy away from making character creation part of your your like your actual campaign yeah because that was super fun you know what you walked us through and I think if we were doing like D and D Pathfinder style characters, it might not have worked as well because there's just there's too many decisions that you're making. Yeah. But for simple stuff like this, like absolutely, yeah, like this was this was great to do at the table collaboratively together.
1: Yeah, and yeah. with character creation, you, you know, it's it seems to me that most of the character creation I've done or that I have had my players do, it's kind of uh, you're asking you're really asking people to just come up with concepts from scratch. And that that feels a little weird to me. Come up with with a character you want to spend months or years of your life interacting with and engaging with. Uh, And, I mean, it's still fun. And some people are really good at creating characters that have a reason to be uh, in the world and that have some depth to them. But, like you said, I wonder if more games could have could have their character creation process be a little bit more a part of the actual game. So it takes place at the same time you're kind of setting the stakes and you're fleshing out the world and you're establishing the tone Mm -hmm. and that the characters would be born collectively out of that kind of discussion rather than just, Hey, show up next week with a level one D and D character, any race, any class is fine. Mm -hmm. Come up, you know, if you have time, think of a one sentence reason why they might be adventuring And risking their life for gold you know yeah that's all we usually ask and that's fine but i i think it could be a little bit more than that
0: yeah even as you're remarking on that thinking about the, the 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 characters that we created during that they the way that they went about like the way that they came about also started to say a lot i think about the world that they would have lived in as ah, well yeah. right yep. like yeah so it was i mean to have something that exists like this you know to have a radioactive electrokinetic being like you you have to have radioactive waste in that world and like yeah you like it, it does it, it sort of builds into each other
1: yeah there's something else that fueled us a little bit as i have been playing a computer game or two a computer rpg or two that has been frustrating me i i I find it really frustrating when I'm asked to build a character for, like, a computer game before I have any sense of even what the game is going to be like. Where is it going to take me? What kind of challenges will I face? How am I supposed to know which of these talents or skills or stats I'm supposed to invest in if I don't even know, like, you know, I haven't really even been introduced to this world in any meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And... D&D isn't quite like that because going into D&D you do we all do have some uh, assumptions and understanding of how a D&D game is going to work but it has always it, it strikes me like in the computer game context I would love, you know, an opportunity to design my character once I've done like a few missions or I've spent an hour with the game and I and with role playing games I sometimes you know wonder if we couldn't do something like that as well. Like get into this a little bit, see what kind of character you're enjoying playing, and then, and then let's circle around and like kind of figure out those mechanics for you. Wow, that's really
0: fascinating. Yeah, it's the the character creation is almost designed for the second time that you play. Yeah, totally. Games. It's yep. never designed for the first time. Yep. Yeah. Well, almost, almost never, no, I shouldn't say, right. <laughs> say it never. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's it is it's definitely, especially with computer games. Like I, I think about Dark Souls, right? Like yeah, you. Yeah. You are walking into that game having no idea how any of this is going to interact, and even some of the skills are either poorly translated or potentially, you know, like, intentionally obfuscated as to what they actually do. Yeah, and it it can be very frustrating if you are not into that style of, like, well, I'm going to lose this time, and then... You know, maybe, yeah, maybe learn something and try and start over again
1: and it's not even just intentionally difficult games like dark souls you know one of the games i was talking about was mass effect you know it's like oh, this yeah. massive beloved mainstream game and you know what class do you want to be i don't know like show me your <laughs> yeah. game and then yeah. i'll figure out what seems like it would be fun to play in the context of this game you know oh goodness know.
0: that just reminds me of destiny like so i played destiny two i think for a little bit like okay yeah on your recommendation yeah and i enjoyed it a lot but like it was the most stressful thing you have these three sort of builds that you can choose from at the beginning of the game and you're like i don't know <laughs> like i don't like this is the sort of game that people play hundreds of hours in. <laughs> right, like yes. i i don't know <laughs> you know so i think i picked the one that sounded most like the wizard yeah you know it's it's gonna be my default like yeah <laughs> yeah anyway but yeah i mean i think that is that is a really good point like there there should be some way to play play D for like an hour that gives you enough of a like an overview of of what the characters could do you know what these different classes could do yeah um that you can then go back and make an informed decision
1: yep totally um, um okay
0: well All i think right. we've talked we've talked enough about about that um, yeah
1: wizards of the coast feel free to give us a ring uh our rates are very reasonable oh, well mine time. aren't that reasonable but chris's
0: are probably pretty reasonable <laughs> yeah i just need it fixed right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah okay so uh we yeah so thanks for listening to us sort of sort of ramble a little bit about that that was um something that i've been meaning to talk to andy about so it was good to do good to do on air but um yeah uh, hopefully we'll do we'll be able to do some check-ins like this uh yeah. here and there as we try try other experiments Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to our next section, and this is something I think I'm more excited about than talking about what we did earlier. Is there is there theme music for this section? Oh, there probably should be theme music. Yeah, (laughs) some sort of eight bit fantasy (laughs) theme music. Thacko came up recently in a conversation that we were having. Um, so, Andy, I do not know what Thaco is. I've tried to read about it. I think I've even played, like, d d video games that have used Thacko as the way to yeah. determine stuff in the background of, of how I'm going to hit. And it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So, <sighs> on air, I'm going to make you either explain it or walk me through it. Okay. So I think this is this is something that should be recorded, both for me to show my own ignorance, but then also for you to show yours. I guess. <laughs> yes. I yeah. was going to say. So, I
1: played. So, Thaco is most associated with Second Edition Dungeons and Dragons, and I did play a lot of that back in high school. But I also haven't played a game that had Thaco in it, um, it since high school. So, we will be testing
0: my memory here. Yeah. And this is. So, this is. It stands for. Uh, is it? it's two hit armor class zero
1: yeah but you know we have to start even earlier than that and i need to talk to you about your pronunciation because i actually don't know what the pronunciation is but uh i say it faco and i'm gonna need you to say it faco because faco yeah
0: i don't know <laughs> yeah and we we know that tim tim saucer has been a, a guess he is he said it as taco
1: <laughs> growing yeah. up as well tim i'm sorry you're a you're a lovely person but that's <laughs> that's not gonna fly Okay. So, okay, uh, two-hit armor class zero is what it stands for, as you say, yeah. and so this will be interesting because I have long found it a little annoying that Thaco, Thaco, see now you have me, now you have me <laughs> wanting to say Thaco, and I'm upset because... It's
0: it's the correct pronunciation. It's,
1: it sounds, it rhymes with Wacko, and that's yeah. not gonna, It's not gonna fly, okay, okay. uh... I have long been annoyed that this has been used as an example of like something that is really difficult and complicated to understand. Mm-hmm. So while I don't judge anyone for finding it difficult to understand, I will be interested to hear from you. I want you to like raise your hand at the point where this becomes difficult. Okay. So here is Th- Thaco at its most simple, and I'm going to explain it to you the way I would explain this to a player who showed up a noob at my gaming table. And I handed them in their character sheet, and there's a number on it that says Thaco, and there's a number on it. That is the number you need to roll to hit a monster. Okay. Okay.
0: That is. That, that seems easy enough.
1: That is. So that is at its most simple. So to hit, if a if you are playing a game and a, a goblin shows up and you want to attack it, you need to roll your twenty sided die and roll equal to or higher to your Thaco
0: score. Oh, it's equal to or higher. For some reason, I thought it was equal to or lower.
1: I'm pretty sure it's equal to or higher. Okay, all right. Well, but, I mean, I'm not. But, I'm
0: not like questioning you. Like again, I'm the noob at your table who's no. never played D&D before. Okay. Right, right. So, yeah. so I have a number of like a ten. Like, like yes. So I, think I was ten, and there's a goblin who shows up, and I want to hit it, so I'm gonna roll D twenty.
1: Yes, and if you roll a ten or higher, you hit the goblin. Okay, okay right. so let's, like, there... let's
0: let's like please please like let's just narrate this. Okay, so okay. I um uh my human fighter um Victoria is is facing off a goblin. Like uh, GM, I would like to swing my my two handed sword at it.
1: Yeah, all right, Chris. Well, take a look at your character sheet, and uh, up in kind of the middle center, there's a field called a uh, Thaco. Stands for two hit armor cost zero. I need you to roll your die. The, the 20-sided one is the big one with all the sides. Okay. And you need all to right. roll that number or higher to hit the Goblin.
0: Okay. I rolled a 20. Is that good?
1: Oh, yeah. So well, you complicated it now by, by getting a critical hit there. But, yes. All right. You're all good. Okay. So we're you're through. That's Thaco 101. But now we're going to move on to Thaco 102. Okay? Okay. So you, I can already tell you're saying, but Andy... Not all monsters are equally hard
0: to hit. That is exactly what I'm saying in my head. Okay,
1: <laughs> see, I knew it. I can, I, I know you, I know you well, Chris. So, a monsters have a number called armor class assigned to them. So, uh, you'll, so to hit armor class zero is not just, it, well, it is a jumble of meaningless words, but it isn't just a jumble of meaningless words. That is the number you have to roll to hit a monster that has an armor class of zero. Okay. If you want to hit a monster If a monster shows up That does not have an armor class of 0 You have to do a little math And that math is You take the monster's armor class So let's say that that goblin Well, you take the monster's armor class And you subtract it from your Thako
0: Oh, okay
1: You have an armor Let's say for the for purpose of our example You have a thaco of 10 And mm-hmm. the goblin shows up and it has a an armor class of eight. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you need to roll equal to or higher than to hit the goblin?
0: Is okay. So this is where is it eighteen?
1: It's uh, no, it's two. Okay. So you well, take. That you sounds st- like that made it way easier then, right? You you start with your Thako. Okay. And you subtract the armor
0: class of the thing you want to hit. Okay. So it's eight. So I have to roll two or above in order yeah. to hit it. that seems way easier than if it wasn't wearing armor. Yeah, the example numbers
1: I've I've chosen oh. here are are weird. But okay. so I, I'm going I have more to explain, but I want okay. to know if you grasp this concept. Like so, Chris, like here's your. This is the final exam in Thaco 102. Okay. You have you have a Thaco of fourteen. Okay. Uh, a Phase Spider shows up with an armor class of two. What do you need to roll equal to or higher than to hit it? A twelve. Yes. Okay. Good. You passed flying colors, Chris. Okay. Okay. Uh, now I don't know what questions you have now, but I'm going to try to anticipate them. With so we are now. This is like Faco 201 now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like this is you <laughs> okay. graduated freshman year. Victoria is level three. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah level three. All right. This is where it gets goofy and i you you tell me this is where i think people start getting confused so armor class in the edition of dungeons and dragons that used thaco is ranked from 10 the worst to negative 10 the best
0: okay i'm raising my hand okay yes go ahead okay um are there any other negative numbers on my character sheet
1: uh, there might be some negative... Yes, there might be some negative stat bonuses. Okay. Of various sorts. I don't remember what a second edition character sheet looks like. It's possible you have seen a negative number here or there.
0: Okay, so a an armor class of, of 10 is actually super bad.
1: Yes, it's the worst. Okay. So, okay. so just to to think about this and something with an armor class of 10 would be yeah it would be the easiest thing to hit
0: uh okay so it'd be the easiest thing because if my my FACO Faco yeah <laughs> was <laughs> was 10 and it had an armor class of 10 then it just anything would hit it yes exactly okay. but if it had an armor class of negative 10 then only a 20 would hit it
1: correct so yeah that i was gonna save that for uh thaco 202 but, oh, well, I'm a brown noser. So. Okay, yeah. Well, all right. You're you're in the the honors AP section of this course, young Chris. Maybe this is where you'll raise your hand and say this is where it gets hard. But obviously, if something has a negative armor class, what happens when you subtract a negative number?
0: <laughs> you you actually add it. Yes.
1: Okay. So uh, so Chris, you have a thaco of ten, and you're fighting, uh, you're fighting whatever. A, a, a an evil anti paladin that has an armor class of negative five because of all that sweet armor. What do you have to roll to hit it?
0: Uh, I have to roll fifteen. Yes. To hit
1: it. Yeah. Yep. I I should note. So when you roll, you would then you know if you have like a plus five of holy avenger sword, you would add that to your roll the same way you would do in other editions of D anD. d But so yeah. So to review, you subtract from Thaco the armor class of whatever you're trying to hit, and that's the number you need to roll. Okay. And you just have to remember, if it's a negative number, you got to add it, and that's yeah. weird. So, so you want your thaco to be low, mm-hmm. you want your roll to be high, and you want the monster's armor class to be low. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this is this is what is very complicated. <laughs>
1: okay. So so okay, I've just explained it. I'm sitting back with a satisfied look on my face. So and, and I'm only I am only partially being facetious here. Uh, so why is that a challenge for people to wrap their heads around? Because I can think of only one other D and D rule that causes this much complaining, and it's uh and it's uh, attacks of opportunity in third edition.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> very specific. Um, okay, so I think the, the the tricky part to me is this subtracting the negative number mathematically. This is not a difficult concept. Like my kindergartner knows about negative numbers, which that also kind of blows my mind. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, you know, she was counting negative numbers yesterday. And I was like, what do you, who taught you about that? <laughs> but, okay, So it's, it, that in, in itself is not a tricky mathematical concept. I think the, the part that short circuits my brain a little bit about it is for the most part in D&D, you are always like adding numbers together yep. rather than subtracting. So again, I don't know. Like maybe back in you know like AD and D times, like maybe you were subtracting numbers more often than you were. Um, but it would like yeah. So to me, it's like well, I mean, if you so if you flipped it, right? Like so if you flipped it and then added the numbers instead, wouldn't that work? Right? Like so rather than negative ten being the best, if negative ten was the worst and ten was good, but then you what if you added them together i think the math would work although maybe not <laughs> no, i think I, like, the I math might out. work but you would yeah. also it
1: would it would have a a equal but different like kind of weirdness to what you were doing mm-hmm. um in that i don't know if it would feel intuitive to hit the monster with like adding taking one of your stats and adding the
0: monster stat to it
1: mm-hmm. would that feel weird? yeah i
0: guess because then you'd what you know you have to like roll under than at that point so then it's <laughs> well so there is so a couple
1: of things spring to mind with me as well so one is fako is the rare value on your character sheet that is gets better as it gets as it goes down yes um this was a little bit more common in the early editions of of D, which is maybe why this didn't seem all that weird at the time but seems weird now now i i think almost without exception uh, a higher number is almost always better or more effective on a D and D character sheet than a, a lower number. Right. Yeah. Um. In early editions of D and D, you know, it had, they didn't have that like one unified D 20 mechanic to resolve everything. So there were like lots of different subsystems and some of them had different, I don't know. I think there's something psychological about switching from like, Oh, I, I want this to be low and instead of high. Yeah, and,
0: I mean- I mean, it makes sense. Like, so I I like the the idea that it it is. It, so this is something that you're rolling when you're attacking, right? Like, yeah. so it's a very yep. distinct system, too, right? Like, so you can you can kind of separate it from maybe uh, like your your general strength and, and stuff like that, which you might use use in different ways. Um, yeah. So I like it. Like, it it, it seems like a very elegant system. I, I'm wondering too if part of the the issue is that like you don't have all the information on your sheet necessarily, mm-hmm. right? So I have this number, like mm-hmm. I have a ten. On my character sheet, and then I'm, I'm going to go and attack something, and then you're going to tell me another number. Then we're going to do a calculation. We're probably going to have to confirm that like our numbers are matching up and all that. Okay. Then I'm going to roll a dice, and then we'll go back to that number that we just invented, sort of out in the middle of the, you know, like yeah, we just we have just invented and like to to verify that everything like matches up, right? So there's like there's a number of steps in there. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. And I think that's probably where a lot of players, and I'm going to say maybe me back in, you know, maybe me at the table too would run in, run into issues. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like, I'm curious when you were running those games, would you end up writing down like that number that they had to roll up, roll above, or would you just sort of verbally do it every time?
1: Uh, I, I think we would just verbally do it. I mean, they would, they would say what it, I'm going to attack it, what's its armor class? And I would, the, the same as I would in 5th edition, you know, I would say its armor class is 13 or something, unless I was trying to be one of those clever dungeon masters and not reveal yeah, the look, monster stats. But I'm not. I will I'm tell not, you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it practically speaking, it worked about the same as it does in 5e, where the player gets ready to roll their die and they need one they need one number from you to calculate you know, what they need to achieve on the die roll, and then they do it. Mm-hmm. So it's worth talking about what Thaco is trying to do, because I think it's kind of interesting. So Thaco is... And again, I'm not an expert on this, so if you're, like, an expert in Gygaxian history, and I get something wrong here, I I apologize. But... So in first... Before Thaco came around, and I think Thaco may have predated second edition. I don't actually know. But before Thaco came around, the way you figured out what you needed, what number you had to roll to hit a monster, was the dungeon master had to consult a chart in the dungeon master's guide. Oh, So okay. if you, Chris, have the joy of flipping through the AD&D first edition dungeon master's guide, there's charts, and on that chart you would say like, okay, the monster, this monster has like an armor class of whatever, and this player is, like, a third-level cleric. And then you would cross-index those, and you would find a number. And you would say, "Ha, that number is 14. you got to roll a 14 to hit it. Oh. So you'll see pages of, like, just charts, just with giant charts of numbers like this. And so I think what Thaco was is, you know, Gygax or whoever was, like, you know, instead of having you look this up on a chart every time. And I should note, you know, there was... If you were a wizard, you you had a different like line on the chart than if you were a fighter. That was how you okay. distinguished like who is better at fighting, you know. Yeah. So yeah. so so Jill, who is playing a fighter, would have one number to hit it. But then if Bob comes with his wizard and tries to attack it, you'd have to check the table again, cross referencing mm-hmm. like the wizard with the, with the monster. And so. I mean, the basic idea is here, guys, instead of like printing out all these charts, we're just going to give you the formula we use to mm-hmm. figure this out and you do the math yourself. And then they standardized. you know, we'll just give everybody a FACO that's based, that's like a fixed number based on their class and level. And then you can, you have all the pieces now to, to figure out what you need to do instead of referencing the chart. So I don't know, does it sound more fun to you to like reference that chart or do you much prefer to have the formula, right?
0: Uh, uh, Judge, I think he's leading the
1: witness. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I am no, not entirely like, the... joking. I mean, yeah. obviously the answer is give me the formula, right? But I will say it did add to the just general mystique of the Game Master that they were always consulting a table or a chart and then telling you, you know, telling you the numbers you needed to hear. That was kind of There was a certain fun to it, but it certainly wasn't a fast process.
0: Yeah, like that's that's actually really good to know that history. So I mean probably it felt my guess is very revolutionary then at the time to have, have that one.
1: It it so from my perspective, it seemed pretty cool, but interestingly I was also playing uh the main other game I was playing at the time was Rollmaster, which um among other has many virtues and failings, but one of the things it was trying to do was get all of the math consistent And making sense and it had it had a combat system that like used numbers and used math that is more in line with what like we're all familiar with with fifth edition and other modern games and so at the time Thaco seemed Thaco with its weird this weird armor class ranging from negative 10 to 10 for no real obvious reason seemed like a weird quirk of D&D that it just seemed kind of clunky uh that said if i had come if i had been like wholly invested in the old style looking at up on charts it probably would have felt like a breath of fresh air (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) yeah um okay this was really great thank you for walking me through that that actually makes it it makes more sense and i think the the issue and you alluded to this the issue is that two hit armor class zero is just a word soup of like <laughs> nonsense yeah. right like they could have come up with a better way to to classify that yeah like i don't know like maybe call it like you know two hit and then the other person's number rather than armor class is like hardiness or like you know <laughs> yeah yeah so some other other mechanism of saying like hey you're going to subtract whatever this number is yeah you know, subtract this number and like yeah if it's because you know they're really hard to hit so it's like it makes it 10 times harder right it's 10 harder <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah all right well thank you andy for um talking me through that that little bit of history maybe i will use it someday <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think so right because like i have been trying to put off buying the ad and d dungeon master's guide um lately like I've, I've actually like had it in my cart on noble Night and been like uh, i don't <laughs> really need this do i really need to run an ad and d game and i think i do at some point so yeah we'll- we'll see how that shakes out i can Um,
1: say you will find it 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 is a genuinely enjoyable read i I don't really think that it produces a very playable game but i heartily i without reservation recommend that you read it
0: well now i'm gonna have to yeah get a copy (laughs) yeah i I have the player's handbook and i've read that thing cover to cover and it's just it's it's so poorly laid out but it's like it's clearly a labor of love (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah by both the the author and the person that edited it so yes um okay all right well we should wrap up there uh this has been been really good yeah so we we managed to talk about ourselves for a lot uh, a lot of it and then um learn a little bit about gaming history as well <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah all right um yeah you got any other parting shots no i left? don't think so okay all right well thank you so much um i have been chris salzman i've been andy Rao. and remember if your player's having fun you're a great GM.